0: I'm excited to share with you this morning, continuing our conversation on forgiveness, right? When we, were, when we were talking in Colossians, that subject came up and I said it just kept swelling in me. And so I wanted to teach on it last week and that's moved over also into this week. We'll see. Lord willing, he'll, he'll direct us. Uh, forward. But last week we talked about forgiveness out of Matthew 18. Don't you, I don't want you to turn there. I want you to turn to Romans 12. That's where we'll be today. But last week Matthew 18, the parable that Jesus told of the king and the servant right? The servant that owed the king an amount that's larger than we can fathom, larger than we can imagine. And he called the account and he said, you owe this. You haven't been able to pay it. I'm going to throw you in jail until you can pay everything that you owe. And the man said, please, if you'll just give me more time, I'll pay you everything that I owe you. And it says the king had compassion on him. And even though the man asked for more time, the king forgave him the debt. And so he got up forgiven But he went out and he saw somebody who owed him just one day's pay. You know, for a laborer, one day's pay. He grabbed the man up by the neck and he said, you owe me, you're going to pay me today. He said, I can't pay you today, but if you'll be patient with me, I'll pay you everything that I owe you. And he said, no, I'm not going to show compassion. You will be thrown into jail until you can pay what you owe. And the other servants see this and they report back to the king. This man that you forgave went out and wouldn't forgive this other man, even though it was just a small amount. The king called him back in and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you this huge, unimaginable amount. And then you went out and wouldn't forgive him this day's wage because of that. I'm going to charge the debt back to you and you'll be thrown into prison until you can pay everything that you owe. And Jesus said, So it will be with you if you don't forgive your brother, your sister from your heart. So some of the things we learn there is the man asked for more time. He got forgiven, but he lived like he only got more time. Right. We have been forgiven. We have been made righteous in Christ. We don't want to live just like we've been given more time. And then number two, the requirement or the expectation that the man forgive someone else didn't come into play until he was first forgiven. When he was given the capacity to forgive. And then third, every debt must be paid. Somebody's going to pay it. And sin is the same way. Sin creates a debt. And the debt will be paid by someone. And I know you may be thinking, Stephen, you just went through that in about five minutes. Why did it take you so long last week to share that? I've, I've, you know, I've refined it since then. But again, there, there's more conversation around forgiveness um, that, that, that I think we need to have because it is a little complex at times. And, and I think the more we know about it, the easier we'll be able to, to walk in it. And I'll even share a personal situation with you uh, that recently helped to point that out to me, that this can be a little bit interesting to walk through at times. But I want you to go with me to Romans 12. And I'm going to back all the way up to verse 9. And I want to read some of this. I won't spend a lot of time on the front end of it, but man, it was just so good. I I couldn't pass by it. You know, if, if you're looking for direction in your life, you know, we pray, Lord, I just need to know what to do. This is a great passage to go to, to kind of help orient yourself in Christ as far as how we should walk. Verse nine in Romans 12 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs and pursue hospitality. Again, not just telling us what to do, but telling us how to live. I was just reading through that going, man, God, this is such a good reminder to me and how I should walk as one of your followers. And then we get down a little bit closer to where I want us to be today. Verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And this isn't just talking about don't don't cuss them out. You know, that, you know that, doesn't always, that doesn't go well. We shouldn't do that. But what this is talking about is bless those, who curse, bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. Don't try to call God into the situation. Go, God, kill them. Just take them out. Burn them up. I'm just tired of them. God, get rid of them. Right? Say, so don't, don't invoke him in trying to curse these people that are persecuting you. Rejoice with those who Rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Instead, associate with the humble, not being wise in your own estimation. How much easier is our life going to be if we're okay walking through it with humility? Because the more life is about us, the more miserable we will be. That's not where I'm going today. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Then verse 17 is really where I want us to pick up today. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but carefully consider, give careful thought to do what is honorable in the eyes of others. If possible, this verse is big. You need to underline this one. If possible, As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink for. In doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. We're conquered by evil when we participate in it, when we give into it. That, that conquered means literally like a, a, um, an army that that is... Beaten, overtaken, and carried off as a prisoner of war. It's like, don't be carried off, enslaved by evil, but overcome, conquer evil, do the reverse to it with good. And that's how this passage, I believe, ties in with forgiveness and unforgiveness because in unforgiveness, we take up sin that someone else has committed. And we say, vengeance is mine. Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. And who did it just say that it belongs to the Lord? If I take it up in myself and I say, like, no, this is mine. I will repay. I'm walking in unforgiveness. I'm talking about is when you've identified a transgression that someone else has committed, especially if they've committed it against you, then if I'm walking in unforgiveness, I've determined what you did was wrong. I've determined what the punishment should be. And I've also determined that I'm going to be the one to carry it out. I'm going to be the one to make sure that you are punished. I'm going to settle the accounts. I'm going to dole it out. And that automatically takes me back to verse 17, where he said, don't repay evil for evil. Walking in that unforgiveness is going to leave us conquered by evil. But again, this process, I know we all know what it feels like. I want to walk through it just briefly. We get hurt physically, mentally, emotionally. Someone sins against us and we want to, we even do, our reflex is to immediately lash out at the person who has done this. Lash out at the person who has done this to us. And in that, we do want to say, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I'm going to make you pay for what you've done. Right? We say we want justice. Actually, what we're seeking, when that's our attitude, is revenge. And there's a difference there's a difference what we're really after is revenge you hurt me and now i'm going to hurt you back again unforgiveness that evil for evil swap of payments saying vengeance belongs to me whereas forgiveness would say i'm not going to carry that i'm not going to be the one to wear that sin right and sometimes we can act like we're okay. This is how unforgiveness can be tricky. We act like we're okay. We act like everything's fine. We're not talking about it. And really what we're doing, what are we doing? We're waiting. Waiting for what? Opportunity. I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart against you. I know that I don't have a way to write that in my mind right now. So I'm waiting until the opportunity comes up and I'm just sitting back. So unforgiveness can be tricky and it can be sneaky because it can hide in your heart and be waiting there just for the opportunity. Anybody else find yourself doing that from time to time? I have, right? If I'm carrying that sin, I'm carrying that transgression, I'm waiting for the opportunity to bring it back on you. Why? Because I'm walking in the idea that vengeance belongs To me, I'm not doing anything at the moment, but I'm reserving vengeance for the opportunity. It can seem like we're not walking in unforgiveness when really we're just waiting. And in that moment, we have been conquered by the evil. You can see how it goes to the heart. Now, last week, we reinforced that every sin ever committed, one of two things is going to happen to it. One of two things is going to happen to every sin ever committed against me, against you, against God. Every sin ever committed, one of two things is going to happen to him, Right? It's either going to be absorbed by the gracious, complete, total sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Or it's going to be punished forever justly in hell. One of those two things. One of those two things is going to happen to every sin ever committed. Why? Because like we talked about, every debt must be paid. And the reason we struggle with that is it seems so far off. Both of those things seem so far off. And it seems like to forgive now in the moment means that I'm just letting this person who did this, whatever this is, and we could go into all kinds of things, you know, but I want it to be applicable to each of us. We want them to be held accountable for what they did, right? We, we want them to not just run off freely from what they did. So what, are we, what we're really desiring, even if it's incorrectly, even if our desires are twisted in there, what we really want is justice. We want justice, at least some form of justice, right? And, and, and let's be clear, to long for justice is a good thing. To want justice is a good thing. The Bible says in Psalm 37, where we read today, that the Lord loves justice. The Lord loves justice and He will not abandon His faithfulness. To long for justice is a good thing. To try to bring it about in your own self is not a good thing taking matters into your own hands and saying, I'll determine what is just in this situation and I'll meet it out. That's where we get off. And see, again, this is why I say forgiveness is so much more than just saying, well, you should forgive them. You should forgive them because there's so much more going on in our heart and in our mind than just that. Forgiveness does not mean that you ignore a wrong that's been committed it doesn't mean that you ignore it. It doesn't mean that you minimize it. Oh, it was nothing. No, that's nothing. Don't, don't worry about it. No, nothing. No, if it was something, you, forgiveness doesn't mean minimizing it. Forgiveness doesn't mean you close your eyes to an evil that's committed. That's not what it means. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you, you say, "What, well, it, it doesn't matter what, whether that person's held accountable or not. That's not what forgiveness means. That's not what forgiveness is. What forgiveness is, is when we forgive, we determine to let God be the avenger. And because he is the ultimate judge. We determine to let God be the avenger, not me, for him to bring about justice in the situation. And that's what this passage is telling us. It says, don't avenge yourselves, but rather give place to God's wrath because he has said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Again, he takes sin very seriously. He takes justice very, very seriously. Forgiveness doesn't mean that sin is ignored or that we're expecting that the perpetrator won't be held accountable for their actions. Right. And then this, this just reminds me after he said, don't repay evil for evil. He said, carefully consider what is going to be the right thing to do. Carefully, give careful thought to do what is honorable to do the right thing. And that tells me it's not always going to be obvious. It's not always going to be, that's it, right? This is what I need to do. It says you're going to need to give careful thought to what you should do in situations. Because forgiveness... While it is something that we walk in, it's going to be applied over diverse circumstances throughout your life. And it's not as simple as, yeah, I forgave them. Yeah, there we go. Right. And if we treat it like it's that, then we're going to usually get ourselves in a difficult situation. Again, verse 17, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable. And the eyes of others. Now, I told you I was going to share with some of you, this came up at our house recently, and so I'll give you a view into something that I've had to walk through and carefully consider in the area of forgiveness. Uh, in June of 2006, so 15 years ago, I was at a meeting of the Camden Lions Club, and I was a speaker that day. You know, they have a little noon meeting if you've never been it's super exciting and i was a speaker and as i'm in there in the room out on you could see the parking lot because there's windows all along one wall where we used to meet and i saw our pastor at the time park his car and get out and he's walking in and i was like what's he doing here? he came to listen to me talk how sweet is that and he walks in i'm like hey what are you doing here he said you need to come with me right now to the hospital your grandmother's been shot and so You know, you go into that spin mentally, get in the truck, I'm headed over there. My grandmother had a a clothing store in Bearden, and that was apparently all I knew where this had happened at the time. She's on her way to the hospital by ambulance. I get there, I beat them there, obviously, because they were taking care of her before they headed that way. And I got to be the first one in to see her in the emergency room. She's in there laid out on this stretcher. And I found out and was able to tell her that they caught the man who had done this. I didn't even know what all had happened at that point. Um, But she began to share with me what had happened. She was in the store. She was working. There's people in there. They're shopping, you know, blue jeans, dresses, all kinds of stuff around. There's some ladies and there's one guy in there. And after the ladies took care of their business and left, the guy walked up to the front door of the store where you park on the outside. And he turned around and he asked her, do you know who I am? Now he had made like he was about to leave. Obviously what he was doing was going and just checking to see if anybody else was about to pull up. She said, do you know who I am? And she called his mother's name and said, you're so-and-so's son. I've heard your mother sing. She sings like an angel. And then he came from there around the counter to where she was Grabbed her arm, twisted around behind her back, and drug her to the back of the store. I won't go into all the details, I don't think it's necessary, but he tried to kill her in various ways. And eventually, he just struck her over the top of the head so hard, with something off of her desk there, that she thought she had been shot. It was that. So she laid there on the floor, bleeding from her head, thinking, well, I'm dying, this is it. And I need to lay here and be really still. So he just already thinks I have died, otherwise he's not gonna quit. He's rummaging around in the store and then he finally leaves. Thankfully, somebody tried to call her. I don't remember what for. Asked what she wanted for lunch. Something like that. She didn't answer so they went over from the store next door to check on her and found her, called the police. And so I had to walk with her through that and hear that from her and then you know, the next, again, they caught the guy cause she was able to tell him this is who he is, this is who his mom is, this is who this guy is. And so they arrested him that same day and he went on trial the following January. And he was, uh, which was interesting, you know, I would never been through that process before, uh, he was convicted. He was found guilty of attempted capital murder. That's attempting to murder someone during the commission of another crime, which was the robbery. And he was sentenced to life in prison. And I I will throw in there, when when he was taken out of the courtroom, he was very verbal in the fact that this wasn't right. This shouldn't be happening to him. He was gonna appeal, he was gonna get out, even though he had confessed on tape with the state police investigators. So fast forward, 15 years later, I get a notification because when you are the victim of a violent crime or the family member of of the victim of a violent crime, you're encouraged to sign up for notifications on the offender's status. And I get a notification that he has applied for clemency. And what that is, is when you receive, uh, especially a life sentence or a death sentence, you know, you hear that word clemency. And it is a process where you can apply to the governor's office for your sentence to be Reduced even reduced to the point where you would get out for the time that you've already served And that's probably a good thing to have in there You know if I was convicted of something I'd probably want the opportunity to get out especially if I wasn't convicted rightly, you know I know a lot of people have gotten out that way So he's applied for this And it said you as the family have opportunity to write a letter in protest of this application And so I came home and it was all very interesting emotions, obviously, you know, 15 years later. But you can see, I mean, I didn't have to refer to any notes about what went on then. Like it's emblazoned in my memory because when adrenaline gets real high, that's what it does. It burns that memory into your mind. And so I came home and I was talking about it. And my grandmother, by the way, now she uh, just turned 91. She's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, My dad passed away in 2013. And so I knew this is something I need to do, okay? Just where, we, where it falls in the family. This is something that I need to do, and I'm talking to Kelly about it, and I must have been being very emphatic about doing it because I was like, this is something he could do every four years. I'm gonna write a letter this year. If he does it again in four years, I'm gonna write another letter. If they have a hearing, I'm gonna go to that hearing. And she said, uh, do you think you'll ever forgive him, Right? And that kind of struck me. I was like, well, hold on. Like, First, I was just always like, what about what I'm doing so that I haven't forgiven him? And and we talked about it. And I I believe that what she really meant was, do you think you'll ever want good things for him? Do you think you'll ever want good for him? And I was like, well, I definitely want good for him. This man, she's like, well, what if he, I was like, "But well, I'm going to do this in the meantime. She's like, well, what if he, what, what if he got saved? What if he, Jesus changed his life? I said, we'll reconvene at that time. <laughs> and, and, and even then I might be subject to say he can talk to a whole lot of people in there. Right. But, but, but you can see just how in, in this situation, and I know that this is different than just, well, you told me you were going to call me and you didn't call me, so you kind of hurt my feelings, so now I have to forgive you. This is different and the same, right? But, but I, I, thinking through that, it, it kind of put me into carefully considering what I'm doing is what I'm doing honorable. And I told her at that time, I said, this guy doesn't live in my head rent-free, you know, as the, as the kids say. But, but it did force me to, to evaluate, am I repaying evil for evil here? Or have I carefully considered what is good and what is right? And you know, there wasn't anything in the Bible that says specifically, hey, if somebody does this and they apply for clemency, here's what you do. There wasn't in there. Because what the Bible gives us more than anything, it does give us special knowledge about situations, certain situations. But moreover, we get wisdom about how to live. It's not lists of, okay, if this happens, do this. It's here's what type of life you live and you make your decisions and they abound out of that. So so to write this letter of protest, which I did, and I said, okay, I'm going to send it and I'm going to help my grandmother get hers in too. I'm going to send it. Who do I need to call to verify that you got it? I want to make sure that it's in there. To, to, to write that letter, is it evil or is it just? Now ne- I'll tell you again, never in this process has this, this man shown any remorse, shown any sign of rehabilitation, shown any repentance. Now, are those qualifications for forgiveness? No. You don't have to show repentance for me to forgive you. But are they qualifications to be released from a justly imposed sentence? I believe so. So again, when we apply forgiveness, we're going to do it over diverse situations. It's not just cookie cutter. It's not just, well, you haven't forgiven him. Do I believe that it's safe for this man to be released into the community? No. That's why I did that. Tyler preached a few weeks ago. Love forgives. Love also protects. Love always protects. The innocent, forgiveness is not forsaking justice. It's not saying, well, this just, justice is forsaken here. Forgiveness isn't forsaking justice. Forgiveness is revoking revenge. Forgiveness is saying, I could take up vengeance in my heart about this. I'm not going to do that. But I still long for justice in this situation. So uh, again, if someone commits a sinful act against you, that's a crime, file charges. That's not unforgiveness. Now, depending on the situation, you may have to carefully consider, is this what I need to do in this situation? But forgiveness doesn't mean that you forsake justice it means that at minimum you're gonna carefully consider what's the honorable thing to do. Longing for justice isn't unforgiveness. Because again, if that was the case, then no Christian should ever call the police ever, right? He's like, well, they committed a crime against me. I'm gonna just forgive them. No, forgiveness isn't forsaking justice. Forgiveness is revoking revenge. That I'm not going to be the one. Because again, they let this guy out. I'm not going to be a vigilante. That's not what I'm going to do. That's not how I'm going to walk. But you give me a chance to write a letter. I'm going to write one. I'm going to put it in there. There's such a big difference. In carrying someone else's sin in my own heart and mind. And releasing that to God. Giving that over to him. We have to purpose in our heart that we won't be carrying someone else's sin. We forgive others of their sin. If we don't forgive them, what are we doing with that sin? What are we doing with it? We're having to carry it in ourselves. And that's what I had to carefully evaluate in this situation. God, am I carrying his sin in myself? Am I allowing this to become a weight on me that I act like I'm the one who's gonna have to work justice in this situation? And you know what? There may have been some hints of that. And it gave me opportunity to work through it, it gave me opportunity to pray about it and to say, I want justice in this situation, but I certainly don't wanna walk in unforgiveness. I don't want, and, and, and forgiveness can be that way. Forgiveness isn't a one time deal. Most of the time it's not because that's going to come up to you again. This is proof positive of that. There's going to be opportunities that 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 offense is placed in front of you for a second, third, fifth, tenth, fifteenth, twentieth time. And you have to continue to resolve. I'm not going to carry their sin in my body. I'm not gonna carry it in my heart and in my life. I can long for justice and I can want the wrongs to be righted and that's good and that's godly, but I can't be the one to put it on myself and go, I'm gonna make sure that it happens. Why, because who are we to even make that determination? Forgiveness is not, I'm, I'm almost done. I know this was a little bit heavier today. Happy Father's Day, right? <laughs> Forgiveness is not forsaking justice, but it is revoking revenge. I can want right to be done in a situation and not to be the one to tote it, right? Forgiveness is not ignoring what's been done. Because you can ignore something like that that doesn't make it smaller. Forgiveness. And we might talk about this more. We'll see. Forgiveness isn't forgetting, you know, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean forget, forgetting. Forgiveness means I'm being freed from the weight of carrying their sin myself. That I don't have to do that. That's what forgiveness is is that I'm not going to let that. Cause what we talked about last week, unforgiveness will torture you. The man in the story who wouldn't forgive the King, put it back on him and he said, you're going to be bound. You're going to be thrown in with the jailers and you're going to be tortured until the debt is paid. Well, that didn't make sense. How do you, how do you pay a debt by being tortured? You don't, but that's what unforgiveness does. When you walk in unforgiveness and you carry that sin in yourself You're you're being tortured until the debt is paid. Well, guess when the debt's going to be paid? It's not. It's going to end you first. You're going to be ended first. Forgiving is not forgetting. It's being freed from the crippling weight of someone else's sin. I remember all of that. But I don't let it own me. I don't let it conquer me. I think we'll close with, again, with verse 17, 18, and 19. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, live at peace with everyone. As much as it depends on you and friends, do not avenge yourselves instead leave room for God's wrath because it is written vengeance belongs to me I will repay says the Lord God loves justice we can long for it we can love it too God will avenge we shouldn't try to amen we don't want to be conquered by evil. We don't want to be overcome by it. By, you know, That's what he's saying. Don't, don't pay evil for evil. Two wrongs don't make a right. You can't defeat evil with more evil. He said you overcome evil with good. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the great love with which you've loved us. God, thank you that you have forgiven us unimaginable amounts to cleanse us of our sin. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice to make that possible. Lord, thank you for the knowledge of how to walk in this life. You're giving us wisdom that we're going to be tempted when people do evil against us to do evil right back to repay evil for Evil, But you've told us to to put a hard stop on that and to carefully consider what is right and what is honorable to not be overcome by evil, not be not be conquered by it, but to conquer it with good. I think that as we follow you, we know that these offenses will come. These things will come. Lord, help us to see them for what they are torture for our hearts if we carry it on ourselves. God, that we, we, we can forgive those who have sinned against us, refusing to carry the weight of that debt in ourselves. And God, we can still long for the justice that you love, but not justice in our eyes or justice in our minds, manufacturing God, but what, you know, justice to be. that we trust you as the Avenger. We, we trust you as a just judge. And I thank you, Lord, that it's from that position that we can walk freely in our relationships with others. Lord, I thank you that as we get ready to go today, that we leave in peace and unity with each other. Lord, that your people are protected as we go. Lord, those that are out from among us today, weak in their physical body. Lord, strengthen them in the name of Jesus. Healing upon them in Jesus' name that your kingdom come and your will be done in them, through them, around them. We bind the spirit of fear and loose the spirit of faith to act. Or those that are traveling, keep them safe. Bring them safely back to us. Those that are working, I thank you that they do so to your glory. And as praise to you, I thank you you bless them on their job today. as we go out, we remember our fathers today, our earthly fathers. And Lord, for every place that they were weak, every place that they failed, every place that they let us down. I thank you, Lord, that you fill those gaps, that we notice that that wasn't good and right. And we find the good and the right in you. I thank you for grace for them and grace for us, that your grace is sufficient for us and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And Lord, we're able to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and live in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we sing today, I thank you. It's with eyes lifted up to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you that you haven't left us here alone. Holy Spirit, that you illuminate your word to us in the path in front of our feet, the way we should walk in a way that is going to be good and right and honorable. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.